The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. That one seemed extra long. Good morning, Mike. Well, it has been an extra long time since our last show. Apologies for the... um, well, life interruptions that would be that uh, would be my line because it was primarily my issue that caused us to miss a couple of shows uh for those of you who are listening and and, and enjoying the fact that there is no um i don't know sirens or motorcycles in the background uh, half of the two-man four check actually has a new residence so uh the possibility of having completely siren free and motorcycle free episodes is very high percentage now <laughs> there are occasional motorcycles in the background here but i do, i think i've only heard sirens on days when there were actually parades um which is somewhat amazing given that given that i live in a much more densely populated area than you Yes, this is true. Uh, but it, it, it's a good thing. I can hear myself think, and everybody will be able to hear us clearly. Awesome. And right. uh, the NHL standings uh, is I, – I would not use any, co- uh, any form of the word clearly to describe them uh, because I'm not in any way clear on – what what's going on with some teams you could start with the local guys um you could even look at detroit although part of that is apparent by the number in the first column Um, i have to ask this though can you say that any of the divisions are actually acting the way you would expect because i'm looking at the west and specifically the central and minnesota is on top i'm not Okay, I don't find Minnesota on top of the Central as completely bonkers as I do Anaheim in the playoffs and Colorado and Boston both out as we stand here. And in comparison to both of those things, yeah, the thing that I find literally the most shocking, even allowing for games played, mm-hmm. and there is a disparity between the most, play, most played games and least played games, that there the is. Islanders are. <sighs> the Islanders have allowed 13 more goals than they've scored through just 14 games. We might actually see a new coach on the island if this continues. I suspect they'd go the trade route first and try and, I don't know, I just don't know shock the system. I don't but, know that Morello is ready to to end Barry Trotz's tenure in, on the island. I, I, don't, I, I, I don't think that's a first a first barrage in the interest of trying to fix the Islanders. I, I didn't say it would be a good thing or the smart thing. I said it could happen ah. because after, la- after the two seasons lost essentially to uh, the world health crisis, Ownership, probably hurting for money and terrified of losing more. Uh, that team has a brand new arena. Um, and you brought up part of the cause a few minutes ago. 
uh, as we were uh, warm, warming up for the show. Um, go ahead with that one. Uh, my my first take on this is that in order to fix that whole goal scoring thing, you probably want to have more than one player on the roster with more than five goals. At Wait, this current time, is that yeah, useful? It's useful to put the puck in the net, and it's useful to have more than one person doing it on a regular basis. Right now, Brock Nelson leading the team with nine goals. Your second player is Oliver Wallstrom with five. And then Barzal, who you paid seven-plus million dollars a year, has four. The other young B, Anthony Beauvillier, has three. Uh, let's see. Oh, wait. The guys that you traded for. Kyle Palmieri has one, as does 200-foot extraordinaire player Jean-Gabriel Pajot. J.G. Pajot has one goal. And then there's a lot of zeros. Uh, some guy mm. named Parise has zero goals. Someone said that was a really bad move over the summer. I can't remember who it was, but... I'm sure if I troll around the internet and listen to a couple of podcasts too, I ought to be able to narrow it down. It it, it just seems to me that, and and I think that part of it is that Varlamov, I don't know if it's the fact that he's not fully 100% yet. He's only played in four games. He's only started three, but he's got a 3.32 goals against. He's under 90 on the save percentage side. Now, the young kid, Ilya Sorokin, is doing all right. His record doesn't reflect that, but he's got a 2.5 goals against, a 925 save percentage. Three shutouts. I mean, their numbers are weird because, and I don't know if weird's the right word to use. We talked about that, but I'll use it. it it's obtuse, if you want to use a 50-cent word. I mean, it, it, it's... Some of the stats don't jive with what they're doing and where they are and how they're getting there. I, I got, mean, yeah, Ilya Sorokin's 925 save percentage in 11 games, you would never know that based on their record. Yes. Like, you would assume that semi, uh, that Varlamov's surprisingly low save percentage and it uh, was something more, something closer to the average for the team. Um, just without looking and mm-hmm. bearing in mind, there are now 32 teams in the league. Uh, how many players do you think the Islanders have in the top 100 in scoring uh, right now? That's a. I don't have to look. That's a simple answer. Zero. You would be wrong. Oh wait, wait. They could have one. It is indeed Brock Nelson, their scoring leader. There you go. Yeah, he's got. He nine is ninety eighth. Ninety eighth. With eleven points. With eleven points, and there are several other players uh, tied with him for that. With that, eleven points. Eleven points. And not not for anything, but four of those nine goals came in one game. In fact, it was the same night that our very own Patrice Bergeron did it because kind of ate into Patrice's new cycle there. 
Oh, absolutely. And it was the first time, I believe, in NHL history uh, that that had happened. Two players on the same night having four goals. Yes, which is... I mean, how many thousand... We have to be talking over 100,000 NHL games uh, at this point um, in league history. And that's the first time that happens. A scary thought. And you're talking about games where in the past Mario Lemieux played against Timu Solani or uh, Wayne Gretzky and Yaramir Yager and... There's something you'll Brett never Hull, see again. Bobby Hull, all of these, Marcel Dion, uh, all of these all-time greats. And it, I, I mean, I don't know if they go back to when it was just the original six. I mean, if you only had six teams playing, the chances of having two guys score four goals on the same night, probably not as high as when you have 32 teams. But, Not uh, as high, but the goaltending prior to like 2005 yeah. was uh, somewhat less effective. So I'm 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 looking at I'm looking at the standings and and I'm I, trying to understand and I'm not understanding. I mean, I watching the Boston Bruins this season, and I know I'm not always. Okay, I'm not a big fan of Cassidy as a coach. I think he's a great guy. Oh, yeah, he's one of those, you know, he's a really nice guy. You'd want to go out to a bar and share a drink with him, but do you want him coaching your hockey team? Um, And that does muddy the waters a little bit, but they don't pass the eyeball test. Like, I know we're not even, they are not even anywhere near the quarter pole, even if Detroit has already hit. 20 games, but like I look at this team and if I ask myself my standard question, Mm -hmm. can this team win in the first round and contend and make it a really tough series in the second round, even if they lose? My answer is not really. Because if they go up against, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's funny that I made that statement about having one guy with more than five goals on the team. But in all honesty, the Bruins have only two guys with more than five goals, and that would be the two Hall of Famers uh, or future Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers, yes. Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron. The difference between the two teams is the fact that as I scroll down – there are far fewer players with zero goals on the Bruins well, than be, there are on the Islanders. Overall, I mean, overall, the difference between the two teams, uh, the Islanders and both have played 14 games uh, mm-hmm. to date. The Islanders have allowed 44 goals. The Bruins have allowed 39, which and, looking at the standings is is significant. Um, the Islanders have scored 31 goals. And the Bruins have scored 46. And the biggest, uh, one of the most glaring would be the fact that both of the Bruins goaltenders have save percentages over 90. 
the young buck, Jeremy Swayman, with a 9.14, minus Olmark. Still kind of finding his way, but he has a 9.08. Uh, his goals against is a little bit higher than Jeremy's as well, 2.87 versus 2.16. Another conversation that we should have at some point is the fact that they're kind of protecting Jeremy a little bit. so As they should. He's playing but, against lesser competition than, and that and and I and I understand why. I mean, you're paying the other guy five million bucks. You mean? I mean, it's there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. And I mean, looking at the rest of the standings, I was pretty high on Philly this year. I thought they should have probably had a better showing last year and made the playoffs, but. They've got a lot going on under the surface on that team. You've got uh, Yandel aiming uh, aiming headlong and running headlong towards all-time game consecutive games played record. Um, that's supposed to happen sometime early, mid-January, late January. Um, you've got Cam Atkinson who came in and quite frankly, is having a really good start to the year. Um, seven goals, 10 points, plus 11 um, in those first 16 games. Um, that's at or above his career average. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Justin Braun, who is, uh, I believe, either new last year or new this year to the team. Ryan Ellis, uh, who has only played four games but has five points in that time. And you're really not looking to him to be your number one scoring defenseman when you've got Yandel uh, and some of the other youngsters. You've got Rasmus Ristolainen, who was elsewhere last season. Nate Thompson, who was elsewhere last season. Um, there's This is an interesting team to watch. Um, if you're going to watch games outside your home market this year, we know we know that um, their head coach is not in my top thirty favorites, but um, it's it's an interesting team. Martin Jones is having a bounce back year. I expected that. I mean, a nine twenty save percentage is so far above what he turned in in the past. Well, during his San Jose tenure, um, that it's incredible like and the fact that Carter Hart went from last year to well viable again um well, I mean, Carter Hart's got a 932 save percent that's what I'm saying it depends on what you consider viable 932 is and that 932 it, it viable at 932 is a slight understatement yes uh but I mean look at look at Martin Jones the previous three seasons were an 896 save percentage um, with 34 most of the season, 41 most of the season, and 62 most of the season games played. Yes, he's playing a backup role this year, but bouncing all the way up to 920 from 896, that's that's an, that's effectively an order of magnitude and difference. Okay, so taking Martin Jones into consideration – the question I have for you is, do you think the Flyers are a better or worse team than San Jose? I think they're better. I think it's not, exactly. and it's not a little bit. 
So it's, they're better in front of him. They bring they bring in and whether you like him, don't like him, and we know people in Buffalo don't like him, but you bring in Rasmus Ristolainen and you get to see how nicely physical he was last night against the Bruins. Oh, she laid the body out and I I love Ristolainen. I couldn't I fault I couldn't fault his positioning really. Um I mean I had more of a problem with Brandon Carlo on one of the goals uh the the Flyers scored, I believe, the first goal than I did with anything Ristolainen did all night. But my and point yes, is that the, the okay. I think that I think my point is that he Martin Jones is in a better situation. Yes, he's the backup. He's not the number one. He had to swallow a little bit of pride. You know, he's used to being the number one guy. I get it. Carter Hart is obviously the number one guy and was going to be even with this, the, 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 the season he had last year. But the team in front of him is better, and when they're playing better, it kind of rubs off. You play better. You, you, I just think that, and that's what made me believe that he was going to have a bounce-back season. It's nice to see him in the 920s again. It's nice to see that he is the goaltender that we saw when the Bruins had him for a whole week. Uh, and I was actually upset that we, yes, and I was upset ahead. that we didn't get rid of the other guy instead of Martin Jones and then started to uh, swallow my tongue when I realized that, okay, Martin Jones, maybe he isn't the guy that I thought he was with those awful save percentages. So it's nice to see that he is actually back to or getting back to the Martin Jones that he was four years ago. And good for him. I mean, yeah. really, it's it's good to see this is the type of thing that, you know, it's part of the drama for why you watch hockey. Um, you can see that sort of rebound way easier than you can uh, in other sports. Well, you mentioned you mentioned another team that everybody left for dead and uh, maybe even us a little bit in Columbus. And they're actually better than uh, the Islanders. Uh, they're one of, what did you say? Three teams in the Metro that had a, a, a positive plus minus a a goal positive differential. Goal differential. Yeah. Uh, which Yes, we're early in the season. It's not even Thanksgiving, although it may be Thanksgiving when some of you listen to us. But, yeah, three teams in the entire Metropolitan Division, Carolina, Washington, and Columbus. And Columbus, it, and the scary thing is, is Columbus is, uh, what, uh, they're still outside a wild card spot. Oh, yeah, no, they're one They're one place behind Boston, actually. They're They're... But they're five the points. Cut. They're five points behind the Rangers uh, for third place in the Metro. Yeah. Um, the Met, the Rangers have played two more games, which which at this point of the season is significant. Um, you know, they, I, I talk. Mean, they're, they're, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say they're doing it. They're kind of doing it with smoke and mirrors, and they're riding. They're riding Elvis again. Uh, because they don't have, I mean, they have Patrick Line. I was going to say they don't have a whole lot of star power. It's not like this team has, 
goal scorers left, right, and center. They don't have McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins and this one. And, you know, they have. They have as many goals as Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay has score, has played one more game than they have. Well, once again, they're a team that there are only five players with zero goals on that roster. And that balance of scoring helps. It's the idea that you can win the Stanley Cup in this league with three or four players, uh, three or four superstars, and And a bunch of guys to carry their luggage. It should have died in like 1992. Their top goal scorer is Boone Jenner with nine. Their top point getter is Oliver Bjorkstrand with 17. He's got five goals and 12 or six. I mean, they did bring in guys like Voracek from from Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, last season they brought in uh, Roslovic in the line a, in the line a deal for Pierre Luc Dubois. Who they do have some guy named Sean Corrali. That sounds familiar. They do, they do. Um, he's got uh, two goals himself on the season. Yep, two goals, four points. Uh, he's a plus three. I, I mean, they're, they're like I said, doing it with smoke and mirrors. Mirzlikens, Elvis has a two six nine and a nine eighteen save percentage. Unfortunately, Corpusalo is struggling. Uh, goals against over three and a half, uh, safe percentage under 90. So Elvis is definitely in the building and will probably be rid- in the right pipes. now. It's, right now, it's a two to one ratio as far as starts. So yeah, and it, at this point, it probably should be, or even going three to one. Yeah, you know, at, two and a half or so, but yeah. At at this point, uh, Bjorkstrand, if there's an all-star game this year, as I'm expecting there to be. Has to be considered. He has, you have to talk about him, uh, not only going as Columbus's representative, but as what would certainly be the lone Danish representative, because I don't think there are even three other Danes in the league. Yeah, I hadn't even considered it from that standpoint. Um, and you know, I don't remember if they're in the in the major player pools, but if it's if the Olympics, if the if there's going to be a Danish Olympic team, and the NHL is going to participate, uh, pretty certain he'll be there. Well, he averages twenty and a half minutes a night, twenty thirty nine a night. No, wait, I'm sorry. I've got the wrong column. Let me get this correct. Silly man. He averages 19 minutes and 12 seconds a night. So a minute or so less. That's uh, still a decent number of minutes. His points are his points are spread out across across power play and even strength. I mean, I don't have a problem with giving this guy a nod. I was going to comment on his faceoff percentage, but he's only taken. Uh, <laughs> he's only taken oh wait nine <laughs> and so you're won, insinuating he's, won, he's not really a center he's won six of them I, I, I apologize there are actually four Danes in the 
who have played a game in the season uh, in this season. Bjorkstrand is a right winger. Yes, he is. I, just, um, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I just I'm just saying that Columbus is a team that nobody really gave a chance to. They were in rebuild mode. They weren't going to go anywhere. OK, they still aren't in a playoff spot, but. The Islanders, who expectations are pretty high on, are the like three spots behind them. <laughs> I mean, the Islanders, you should be I, – I would ask the same question that I asked earlier about the Bruins. Are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to win in the first round? Is the second round going to be a serious contest? Not without additions. Not no. without adding something to that team. Goal scoring. Yes, that that would be part of it. Um, <laughs> the four Danes in the league this year, I forgot that one. I forgot about one of them, and the other one is a legit Bruins killer. Um, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Nikolai Ehlers, Lars Eller, and then uh, Vegas' own jo- uh, Jonas uh, Ronberg. Lars Eller being the Bruins killer. Yeah. 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 It, it just. It's been a very interesting start to the season. And yes, one of my biggest issues with I realize that not everybody, not every team is going to have the same number of games played. But the disparity between the most and the least games played at this point in time is ridiculous. I mean, the Bruins have had how many five day layoffs in the beginning of this season? Three. They've had three five day layoffs uh, in the first six weeks of the season. That's utterly bonkers, and I mean, it means that it means that towards the end of the season they're going to be playing at a much higher density and more likely to lose players to injury just before the playoffs, which bad for the Bruins. But as an original six big market team, it's also bad for the TV deal. I mean, one would think, yeah. At this point, there's almost no chance of the L.A. Kings making the playoffs. Anaheim is holding down a playoff spot, much to my amusement. Wait, wait, um, wait, wait. Time out. No chance of L.A.? You're aware that they are one place ahead of Colorado in the wild card. They are. Colorado will wake up at some point. I, I'm fairly <laughs> confident of that. I mean, again, this is one of those things where you have to look at win percentage. You have to look at, like, winning percentages as opposed to points because Colorado's win percentage is a 607, 60% wins, whereas LA's is a 53, 529. I mean, but Anaheim might games. Uh, Anaheim, Anaheim has that good win percentage, which is making me scratch my head. Would you like to know what? what Gibson's numbers are this season. <laughs> oh, they're good. I I looked at them. Um, Gibson is having himself a season. But, you know, you look at the big cities that are not going to be in the playoffs as of right now, and you pull Boston out of there, and national ratings-wise, you're in trouble. Chicago is almost certainly, you know, with their 353 points percentage. Seattle, a 265. Arizona is a 222. San Jose, meaning the entire Bay Area, one of the most populous and highest income areas in the country, 
is sitting at 500. Dallas, which I think is the fifth or sixth largest city in the country, they're sitting at a 500. Um, and at least one of the New York, two New York City area teams, or three New York City t- area teams, if you're including Jersey, isn't going to make it. Um, I mean, realistically, yes, New Jersey is sitting in a spot right now. Of, of Boston, New Jersey, um, Columbus, and Pittsburgh. Yes. Which, uh, which of those GMs do you think is most likely to throw uh, to uh, to burn some future assets for the sake of getting into the playoffs this year? If it comes down, well, my choice is Boston, Columbus, Pittsburgh, and. New Jersey. Um, I would say Pittsburgh will burn assets. I would say if I had to rank them, I would say Boston is at the bottom. I I think Lou Lamorello. I mean, not I. I don't see Lou Lamorello trading any sort of. Well, we didn't mention the Islanders. It was Bruins, Columbus. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Jersey. Bruins, Columbus, Jersey, and Pittsburgh. So I would. I would. That's actually how I would. That's actually how I would rank it is Bruins, Columbus, Jersey, actually Bruins, Columbus, Jersey, Pittsburgh, or one and two are interchangeable because, I mean, first of all, Ray Shero in charge of New Jersey now ran Pittsburgh. So it's almost like saying, you know, which one is going to Ray Shero is willing to make moves. Um, I'm not even sure who it is in charge of Pittsburgh at the moment. Uh, I mean, Fletcher, I don't even know. Um, what do the ha- what do the Devils actually have to move? They have Nolan Foot um, as a prospect who's outside their roster. Um, are they gonna Are they going to try and dump Dougie Hamilton in a move uh, to bring something else in? I'm sorry, not Dougie Hamilton. I'm going to say they just paid him nine million dollars. Are they going to try and move PK Subban or? I don't know what they get for him. <sighs> In all honesty, I do, I don't know either. Um, and you've got, I mean, AJ Greer is rolling around in their minors. He's 24 at this point. Um, okay, so the decision to make a move is based more and more on if we're going to look at it, look at it from that way. And I didn't stop to look at what pieces they had, what 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 assets they had. But okay, so Ray Shero won't be moving because he can't, rather than because he doesn't want to. Uh, I mean, Tom Fitzgerald doesn't have much to deal with for the Devils. He can trade draft picks, or I think Cheryl was in charge there. Because the the NHL GM carousel is Moving. fascinating and, and always and, always confusing, and I apparently can't keep up with it. I apologize. No. <laughs> Cheryl and Lou Lamorello. Lou Lamorello. Uh, uh, I mean, I know the Islanders weren't on the short list, but they don't have their own second round. They don't have any fourth round. In fact, their second round is actually conditional. Um, so this is less about what this is less about who wants to and more about what do you have able. to actually make. Yeah. Who's able to. I mean, Boston. 
I don't see Boston moving any other top three to four, three or four prospects. Okay, you know Don Sweeney. Yes. At least as well as I do. So you have to know him well enough to know that he ain't going to make any moves. The, the the whole Taylor Hall thing last year was stunning surprise. and yeah, ridiculous. I, I, I still don't know how but that happened. Or, but the thing is, is he basically traded – he traded 10 for silver and came out on top. Yes. I mean, if he can somehow – I like off, Bjork. This, <laughs> I like Anders Bjork. I always thought that they were expecting slightly too much uh, from him and probably started him in the NHL a year before he should have been. Um, but if they could somehow turn Jesper Froden and Curtis Hall into a viable second line center yeah. or uh, at the trade deadline or I don't know, a defenseman who actually has a history of scoring in the playoffs, which would put them ahead of, well, all seven of the guys they're playing right now. Um, you know, like sort of Tory Kruger. And I apologize because I completely forgot that Ron Hextall, and I don't know how I forgot this, but Ron Hextall, Mr. Philadelphia Flyer, is actually running the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh you know, if they or you know, if somehow they manage to turn Oscar Steen and uh, Samuel Aslan into something useful, mm-hmm. okay. But I, but we know they're not trading Jack Studnika. We know, we know they're probably not trading Brady Lyle. Uh, we, there are really strong safe bets to say they're not trading Kyle Kaiser. Um, not without a monstrous return. And there's that kid named Beecher that um, you'll probably only get off out of the Bruins if Don Sweeney is safely buried and the earth above him is salted. Is he actually with the Providence Bruins? I thought he was back no, in Michigan. No, he's still in college. He's back in Michigan, yes. Yeah, I, I don't see him trading Beecher or... No. No, just not going to happen. No. Don't see Um. It. For that, yeah, I, I just, I'm just so yeah. the top three, four prospects for the for Boston aren't going anywhere. Um, and as far as guys off the roster, you might be able to trade. Uh, you might be able to trade DeBrusque now that he actually looks like an NHL player again, but mm-hmm. he's he's still he's got no term left on his contract. He's got negotiation rights this summer um, or arbitration rights this summer. And at under four million, that doesn't clear that much space to do something. Yes, that, why would you want yes, that money is magnified. Yes, that money is magnified at the playoff deadline mm-hmm. um, because because it's bill. It's because of the way the money is calculated. But. Unless you're getting like, I don't know, unless you're going to go pick the bones of the Vancouver Canucks who are really struggling right now and you manage to pull in Elias Pettersson um, or through an even greater act of miracle. That's not happening now. 
They're not going to make any moves like that until deadline when it's actually. And didn't they just re-sign Patterson? So chances of him him getting moved are slim. That depends on how long uh, Aquarianus and ownership intend to keep being patient. (laughs) Patient, yes. Aquarianus, patient. Well, I mean, he was patient throughout the entire... Uh, I don't even know what you want to call it. The tenure of uh, Bobby Lou, Bobby Lou, and that fantastic head coach of theirs who is now in Philly. Yeah, yeah. You made a comment pre-show because I, I said something about bringing in a player, and you said not at seven million dollars, but Pedersen is actually at seven point. Three five for the next. Henderson is a center and would be a great compliment as a number two center and eventual number one center. He's also seven years younger than the guy that you were talking about. Yes, and as I said, physicality zero. But we will get to that later. I do want to ask you though, how many Anaheim? How many players on Anaheim do you think have zero goals? Um, three. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you wish. Okay, but you're right. It is three. I literally I have not looked at their I have not looked at their roster or scoring uh, at all this season. No, but we were talking about them being in a playoff spot and what they're doing and and yeah, Gibson's having well, himself a nice little season, but we again, knew they weren't doing with a no, doing it with a, one or two overwhelming superstars, otherwise we'd hear their names all day. Wait, they have superstars on here? Oh, wait, there's some older guy, Getzlap. Yeah, he's a, But their number one scorer is a guy who's, what, third year in the league? Troy Terry, 12 goals, 22 A points. guy I barely remembered actually played in the NHL. And I apologize to Troy Terry for not having taken greater notice of him. But still. Adam Henrique, second on the team, tied for second on the team with six goals, has 15 he's points. He's sneakily... A, a very solid contributor his entire career. Um, and I, I'm not greatly surprised that on a playoff team, he can be that number two, number three score, uh, scorer. I mean, you look back to the year that, um, Evander, not wow. Taylor Hall had his MVP season. Mm-hmm. Guess who was also doing really well that year in New Jersey. Yeah, I know. It's a Henry guy. Third on the team is some young kid named Zebra. No, Z, 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 Zegris. Trevor Zegris. Six goals, four assists, 10 points in 16 games. Uh, yeah, uh, he's been. There are a few people in <laughs> hockey who designated team. him as potentially making the NHL or something in that near neighborhood of positivity. He played at BU, so. Some yeah. guy, the fourth, the person fourth on their points, or fourth in goals, actually third in points, some guy also from BU named Shattenkirk. Four Never goals, heard of him. Four goals, 10 assists, 14 points in 18 games. Um, really? I, now, that's a guy I thought was done. <laughs> Again, teams doing it with smoke and mirrors. This team is 
They've got a lot of guys with one goal. The, uh, the guy being one of them, but he's being more distributor. He's got 18 assists. He's got 19 points. The guy whose name I very nearly forgotten mm-hmm. on that team in all seriousness is Cam Fowler. Cause he oh. kind of disappeared for a couple of seasons. And I know he's still fairly young. He's well, he's 29 years old yeah. and man, he's been in this league forever. Like, He's been 11 years. Did he start as an 18 year old? He played in the 10, 11 season. He's got 735 games. I mean, he's missed a lot of games due to injury. A lot of games. Uh, he's only got one 82 game season and one and two 80 game seasons in his career. But yeah, but I the mean, last that 67 season, he had 11. Uh, he had 11 goals. I mean, he played all of last year, which is great. 23 points in 56 games on a team that was going nowhere. For a defenseman. Um, and then the previous two seasons, it was 59 games. But I think they played, what, 68 or roughly 70 games in the 19-20 season. So but that's he, not terrible. I mean, yeah, his... The injury situation gives people pause. The consistency, though, I mean, you look at look at his points throughout his career. His high point is 40. His low point is 23. In a short in shortened seasons. Yeah. In shortened seasons. Last three years, 59 games, 59 games, 56 games, 23 points, 29 points, 23 points. 67 games, 32 points, 80 games, 39 points. I mean, it's – the consistency is there. The only real outlier – oh, and I apologize. In 2012-13, he actually only had 11 points. That's the low. But it was in 37 games. So he didn't – still didn't play a full season. It just – Kim Fowler and, I mean, his pluses and minuses – his minuses are big because the team's not – great and he plays a lot of minutes but his pluses are are there and he's got a couple of zeros i don't have an issue with this guy i I wouldn't mind i wouldn't mind he's a solid player but i i wouldn't mind seeing him in a bruins uniform if but his his injury history is what gives me pause yes but anaheim not it's it is shocking to see them in a in a playoff spot but when you look deeper into the stats, it's like, okay, I kind of understand how they're getting there. Well, can they the West is it? not a great, the West is not a great conference this year uh, or last year word. or the favorite year word of the season. Squishy. Ah, uh, yeah, that's, that's the word I used once or twice, 12 times. Um, You mentioned pre-show Chicago has uh, relieved their former head coach of his duties, Jeremy Colladin. Jeremy Colladin is no longer head coach of, and it happened while we were on our own little pause. Uh, it happened on November 6th. He was uh, summarily relieved. And that's my favorite thing is the article. The, the, the quote is said that he he was relieved, not 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 terminated, not fired, not. Uh, Given how poorly the team has performed this year, I'd probably be relieved too. 
sounds like the fans might be relieved as well. The interesting thing is they seem to like to hire their replacements from within and they don't do a whole lot of, uh, they don't do a whole lot of, of investigating or whatever, because Jeremy Colleton was originally head coach of the Rockford Ice Hogs when Quenville was fired and they promoted him. And now that Colleton's been fired, they've gone to wait the Rockford Ice Hogs to hire Derek King. <laughs> As so with us. It doesn't have to work that way. It's nice to know that you have somebody there, but they did also fire a couple of uh, assistant coaches. The one part about this that has nothing to do with the coach, though, and my favorite quote, and we love talking about, you know, when they when the team is so supportive uh, or the organization is so supportive um, on the ice. Interim general manager Kyle Davidson has our full confidence and autonomy to make hockey decisions, and we support him on this coaching change. Full uh, confidence, yeah. full confidence. We yeah. support him. Is yeah. Kyle Davidson going to be GM next year? <laughs> I mean, I suppose that depends on whose calendar you're using. I think one of those years ends reasonably soon. Um, and of course, the calendar that most of the West uses is only about five, only has about five weeks left on it. So maybe it's possible. So they fired Jeremy. They fired a couple of assistants. They've given the, they've given the dreaded vote of confidence to Kyle Davidson. I, you know what? I'm Kyle Davidson at that point. I've got my house on the market and most of my stuff. packed. Yeah. Yeah, when I read when I read that, I I immediately contacted a real estate agent. <laughs> because one, you know, if they're actually that confident in you, you're going to lose the interim tag, and two, they don't need to say it. It's like billionaires who walk around, and I've met at least two. Um, don't go telling you that they're billionaires or high end multi millionaires, mega millionaires, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. You just know who they are. You literally just know who they are, particularly when they're famous in your in your in your locale. People who are confident in you, they show it. They don't need to talk about it. Um, every t- literally every time we hear a vote of confidence, it's it's usually, yeah. it's usually followed up with a termination. <laughs> it's usually followed with a future endeavors. Yes. Thank you. Good luck in your future endeavors. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Nice of you to join us. Thanks for giving us your time. Don't call us and we won't call you. <laughs> Don't call us. We'll call you. <laughs> oh, wait, you want a res? You want a, you want a, uh, you want a, 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 what do they call those things? You want a reference? A reference? Sure. sure. Yeah. He definitely worked here. He definitely showed up. <laughs> he arrived at work on multiple occasions. Chicago, unfortunately, is not doing well. As uh, Yeah, there's not been an improvement. There was no honeymoon bump. Um, which I, no, they did, they, no, they did win a few games under King. They won their first three games or something like that, three or four games under King. Uh, they should they, still be better than that. But they should be 
the, the talent that's on right the around roster. The 500 mark at absolute worst. I mean, again, you look at the team, and I realize that Taze missed all of last year, but to have no goals is concerning. Yes, that that's the word I'm looking for. Concerning. Um, I'm. Seth I Jones mean, I know Kirby Doc up. missed a lot of last season with an injury, or maybe even all of last season with an injury. Kirby Doc wasn't the whole season; it was most of it. He he. Broke his he his he broke his wrist if I'm not mistaken or, or had surgery to repair it because it was hit by a puck or a stick or something and it wasn't it wasn't a typical you know LBI UBI type of thing it was like he broke his wrist and they did surgery on it and he missed the rest of the season and yeah he's got, he's got eight points in seventeen games this year. You got Kane, who's the 17 points in 13 games. Debrinkit's scoring. He's the only one in double digits on that team. He's got 11 goals and 14 points. Seth Jones is at 15 points in 17 games, which is kind of good. Which is, well, Seth Jones. The Norris Trophy should be winner. But they keep wanting to give it to that guy in Boston. I don't know. But there are more than a few players. Not oddly enough, not as many zeros on the Chicago Blackhawks as there were on the Islanders. The Islanders had a lot of players with zero goals. I mean, it's just surprising because one of those guys with zero goals is oh wait, Captain Serious. Uh, and I know that he's still coming back. I mean, his his faceoff win percentage is fifty eight. Not complaining about that. Fifty-eight point six five, almost fifty-nine. But he's a minus eight. He's got eight, he's got a whole eight assists on the year on the season. I think the issue was the start of the season when Marc Andre Fleury kind of stumbled out of the block, and he's still got a three point three six goals against Lankinen, not holding up his end of the bargain either. He's got a three point three nine. And Flurry at a 901 save percentage, Lankin at an 884. Last year, didn't he have a 925 or something like that? Or he yeah, Lankin looked teens. really good by last the, year. By the end of the year, he was in the high teens. I think he started. I think he hit some kind of wall because they were riding him like a government mule. <laughs> um, so I think he ended up. I think he ended up scuffling and went from 920s down into the low to mid, high to mid teens. But still, 884 for him. Uh, not after That's what we saw last not year. A good sign. Yeah, no, you're going backwards, buddy. Um, let's talk about those Canucks. Um, oh goody. We have we've seen a lot of interesting stuff happen out there in the past decade and a half. Yeah. Um, uh, the Aquilinis have told or had a recent meeting with Benning, uh, the GM and head coach, Travis green. And they were, he's going to be patient. And this, despite the fact that the team is, um, terrible, uh, is performing terribly. We mentioned that they're 2.22 or 2.52, uh, points percentage 
Um, I'm sorry, 3.89. They're not quite as bad as Seattle, which. <laughs> they're, they're saying something. They're not as bad as Seattle. They're who, not as the bad way, as the expansion team that everyone who knows anything has been trashing for three months. By the way, they're supposed to be. That, that's supposed to be the arch rival now is Vancouver and Seattle. They can start by one of them winning uh, the lottery and uh, <laughs> placing ahead of the other uh, in the lottery draft this year because <laughs> at the pace they're playing. <laughs> Wait a minute. They, is, this the, is this the race for 32? I, I think this is the race for 31 because I, I, Arizona may have 32 already wrapped up. I don't know. Arizona has eight points. Seattle has nine points. Um, Arizona's problem is that they have a minus 36 goal differential, but, you know, who's, who's Which counting? Happens to be almost as much as any t- two teams put together. I mean, Montreal and the Islanders together only have a minus 39. Yes, but if you put Montreal and Ottawa together, it's like a minus 42, so... <laughs> they have a minus 36 do the Arizona. I don't even know how that's Coyote. possible this early in the season, but okay. Uh, so, cap so friendly. Back to Vancouver. <laughs> cap friendly says what? Um, cap friendly says the Canucks are sitting uh, actually just 5.1 over the salary cap. When you take into account all of the players on long-term injured reserve, um, which makes the trade speculation for Samuel Girard of the Colorado Avalanche um, even more speculative. Um, that spec- that, uh, that rumor was apparently quashed by uh, Pierre Lebrun. But yeah, if they're going to make a trade, it needs to be dollar in, dollar out. There's no way around it. Mm-hmm. Um Otherwise, they're going to have to leave people on. But why do they think Samuel Gerard is going to fix their problems? Maybe he's maybe they like his ability to get the puck out of the zone with either smart exit passes or great skating. I I don't know, but I like Sam Gerard. I'm not trying to undersell him. I just don't think that he's going to solve the riddle of their lack of heart. Lack of heart. Now, there's a good way to put it, because. Uh, goal scoring shouldn't be an issue. The guys that are scoring goals are, should be. I mean, you know how I love JT Miller. He's leading the team in points, and he's the guy up there. Uh, but Connor Not Garland. Best who, sign, but okay. What's that? Not the best sign, but okay. Connor Garland, uh, the guy you acquired from Arizona, uh, second on the team with 14 points. Bo Horvat, third with 10. I mean, Hoaglander, Bra, even Patterson's starting to come on. He's got 10 points, three goals, 10 points. I mean, it's the guys that are scoring are the guys you would think should should be scoring maybe a little bit more than they are. OEL's got four points in 18 games. Mm-hmm. Another player the Bruins could have had in the past two off seasons. So who has the better save percentage and goals against average for the two goalies in Vancouver. 
I think it's I don't remember. I actually have both of them on one of my fantasy teams. Thatcher Demko and Yarrow Halak. Um, both of them have high goals against numbers. Uh, one of them has a 3.22. The other one has a 2.79. That's right. Yarrow Halak has the better goals against. And save percentages, they're pretty much equal. One has a 903, one has a 902. But again, the higher save percentage belongs to the backup Yarrow Halak. That's probably so, ungood. So Demko with a 3.22 and a 902, neither one of them really excelling. And the way we talked about Halak's numbers here in Boston and being behind that defense is the issue the players in front of the goaltenders, or is the issue the goaltending itself, or is it a combo? I think part of it, out? yeah, is that is the issue in front. Um, no one in their right mind thinks that that division is all that particularly tough. Right. Um, but when I look at this team, I see Bo Horvat and I see JT Miller as legitimate 200-foot players. I see Tanner Pearson as not necessarily terrible at 200 feet, but really not great. When I look mm-hmm. at the defense, you've got Jack Quinn, who barely needs to shave at this point. <laughs> um, you've got Oliver Eckman Larson, who I like a bunch. You've got Travis Amonic, who, even though it's tough to say at that young of an age, from everything I can tell, his best hockey is behind him. And then you've got a bunch of other guys who are role players. Brad Hunt, Kyle Burrows, and Tyler Myers. You got a lot of youth on that team. I mean, we've talked about it in the past, how young that team is. I mean, they've got some young players, sure, but you've got guys towards the middle of their career. You know, Jason Dickinson at 26. Tyler yeah. Maud at 26. Um, even even Bo Horvat is 26 now. Um, you've got a decent amount of middle. Yeah, and that's then you've true. got Chase on and Dowling, who are both 31. Um, and who is the 28-year-old? JT Miller. JT, JT Miller is still playing well. Um, JT Miller is a bargain at five and a quarter million. Oh, not many people are going to disagree with that. But this team needs. If you want a second this team line needs center. some attitude. I wouldn't necessarily cry over JT Miller as the Bruins' number two C. Um, and by not necessarily, I mean not at all, unless the trade was dumb. Thank um, you. Which I have to say that I think Sweeney can pull off. I mean, he and- didn't trade for Rick Nash. Not only that, but he started out in a large market with the Rangers. He was traded to a Stanley Cup champion in the Tampa Bay Lightning. Signed, no, was he traded to? Yeah, he was traded to Vancouver. Uh, He's been in large and medium-sized markets. Mm -hmm. So the spotlight's not going to be too big for him. He's been on the biggest stage as far as playoffs go. So that's not going to be too big for him. The guy can score. He can, he can distribute. He's a good face-off man. He's over 50%. I think he's 52 or 53% in the face-off circle. He's not, he's not Patrice Bergeron. I get it, but 
but and here's the here's the same thing that I will oh, say. I'm sorry, about, he's fifty eight percent in the face off circle. Here's the same mm-hmm. thing I'll say about him that you can say about very nearly all of the players who could be brought in, either reasonable potential or only slightly ridiculous potential to be brought in to Boston. Yeah. You're going to have to, no one is going to have the pressure on them. No high end player, top six player is going to have the pressure on them in Boston that they would in my current team. If you brought Tyler Sagan in, he's still not going to have the pressure that he has in Dallas. If you brought in Miller or Hovat or um, Patterson out of Vancouver, not going to have the pressure. Um, you really are talking about a very, very select group of forwards uh, but, and, and or defensemen who are going to rise to the level of being in the top two or three players or, th- or three to five players in Boston who are going to get the media and fan attention. But that's why I gave you the resume he, where he's played in the past, this, the stages that he's been on in the past. I don't think he's going to have the issues here that bringing in even his teammate, even if he brought Pedersen in. I don't mm-hmm. know that Pedersen could could handle this size market and the pressure and the play and, the, and the press. He's and, not going to get noticed. If you bring in Elias Pedersen, unless you're legitimately trading Hall or one of the one of the Raptors line, or assuming you could do it and not be Lynch, Charlie McAvoy, you're not going to get the attention. Bergeron, McAvoy, Marchand, Pasternak, and then Charlie Coyle, who people just eat up for good reasons and for silly reasons. Um, those guys draw the attention. See, but I disagree. Elias Patterson was rookie Elias of the Patterson year. Is Elias Patterson. He is a great player. If you bring in JT Miller, he's been the only he's time been to he's all those places. But he's 28. Yeah. He's not a sex. He's not a sexy acquisition. So I think that Pedersen would come in. Is brilliant. I think that Pedersen would come in. He'd mm-hmm. be talked to for about three weeks, and then the notice would fade if he played around what they need him a little under a little above, you know, if he's, I don't know if he's playing it like anywhere between six tenths of a point per game and 0.72, he's invisible, like completely invisible. If he gets to 0.75, 0.8 per game, mm-hmm. then they're going to start talking to him a lot. But and that's the thing with almost anyone you could bring into town. Yes, if you if you brought in Nathan McKinnon or traded for Jack Eichel so he could be on his third team, um, or you brought in maybe one of the Kachuks with the local okay. tie, yeah, and the personalities, they're going to get a little more attention. Maybe if you bring in. <laughs> Maybe if you bring in uh, Drew Doughty, it, you're gonna he's gonna get he's gonna land in that sphere and that level of attention. But I'm not even sure. I, 
weird as it is to say, and as much as I still think he's playing very effective hockey, I'm not sure Drew Doughty draws that much attention, at least until he opens his mouth and reminds people that Brad Marchand isn't the only person who says occasionally silly things in the league. Drew's Drew's not playing any hockey at the moment. He's been out for the last four weeks, but... Um, but this year he started out on a tear with LA and I think that LA's LA's recent stumbles can actually be related to when Doughty actually went down. Um, I'm not saying it's direct result, but you can, the, the, the slide started when he was injured and with the knee to knee thing and that they said wasn't knee to knee and it wasn't uh, whatever. Uh, Vancouver. So Elias Pettersson averages just under 20 minutes a night. Yep. He doesn't take many face-offs. I don't uh, think anyone on that team takes a lot of face-offs. I mean, you've got Miller. JT Miller. <laughs> and that's about it. Yeah. Uh, Elias Pettersson, 34.4%, which is the lowest face-off percentage of his career to this point. I, and that's probably why he's being ridden in the media and fan attention. But uh, but he does have he does have three goals, ten points. He's a minus two. Uh, my issues is pretty solid right now. Yes, my issues are with the other end of this stat line where it says. In 18 games, oh wait, no, he has nine blocks, which is mm, for given that he's good. a skinny stick. Yeah. Um, the issue that they're going to have with him here in Boston is when you put him on that second line, and I know we talked about this, but I'm bringing it up again. He has a total of five hits. Krejci may not be the most physical guy in the world, but he could still hit and he still had a little bit of a, a streak in him. I'm not saying that he was getting into fights every five minutes. He's certainly not Tom Wilson, but Krejci did have a little bit of a streak and a little bit of nastiness when it was brought out of him. And I don't see that in Pedersen. And I think that that's something that Bruins fans and the press around here are going to want to see out of him is can he be physical? And that that would be a factor in bringing in a lot of players in the league. I mean, you look at you you dial back to when the Bruins traded for Rick Nash. I was saying, no, no, trade for Matt Zuccarello. Trade for <laughs> Matt Zuccarello. Guess what, Max? I uh, guess what Zuccarello is doing this year in in Minnesota. Wait, is he playing hockey? He is playing point per game hockey. Nice. He's got a fourteen point eight save percentage. He's not, yeah, he's not exactly a young no, individual either. No. Now, if you had made the same trade for the exact same pieces for Matt Zuccarello, who is now thirty four, five foot eight, hundred and eighty one pounds, over Rick Nash, and that was what five seasons ago, six seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You'd have won uh, that six. trade. Long-term? Long-term, uh, because unfortunately long Rick term, Nash... Long-term, you'd have to call it even. Because Rick Nash was a terrible trade. There's no defending it. And anyone who says, but he he didn't have a good team around him. Guess what? He, he wasn't very healthy. He wasn't very durable. 
he wasn't very physical where in Columbus or in, I mean, you can make the argument that he didn't have a good team around him in New York, but it's not as good an argument, but yeah. he still yes. wasn't a playoff performer. Period. Oh no, we 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 dissected that many times on this show. I mean, many dozen times. But yes, I think if you if you had traded for Zuccarello at that time, and you had him all of these years since, at a much lower salary, and quite frankly, better performance, um. I think that's that's an even trade. No, do you don't want to give up those forwards, but I, I mean you don't want to give up those young defensemen. But come on, I mean just just look at the difference. I mean he's an actual he's actually scored points in the playoffs when uh, he was in Dallas in the eighteen nineteen season. He had eleven points. In 13 playoff games. And that's after the 16-17 the season where he was still half a point per game uh, for the Rangers. No, and, I, and, and I, I agree that, yes, we should have gone after somebody other than and what we gave up. Or done nothing. <laughs> or done nothing at that point. But what we gave up. Uh, some kid uh, who's now playing on their top pairing, Ryan Lindgren. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. He was um, part of that Nash deal. Just saying. Um, the rest of the Nash deal would have been. <laughs> I, ha- I literally hate looking and, back at this. And I love I, I, as much as I love Rob O'Gara, and I did love Rob O'Gara. I loved his size. He was he was a little bit physical, but not overly physical. I mean. Uh, slightly taller or same size as no, Brandon actually, Carlo. The, uh, the defenseman you just named wasn't in this trade. He was in a different trade Lindgren? with the Rangers that offseason. Oh, okay. But the trade was Bolesky, Spooner, and Ryan Lindgren. No, you're right. It is Ryan Lindgren. I'm Thank you. Undercaffeinated. And a first-round <laughs> pick that turned into Jacob Bernard Docker. And a seventh-round pick, uh, Massimo Rizzo. Yeah, I don't know about that one, but Docker is supposed to be. Um, JB, uh, Jacob Bernard Docker, um, he ended up being drafted by the Senators, um, 26th overall. He's played seven NHL games so far, Um, one assist, um, and then 12 uh, 12, uh, 12 games for the Belleville Senators. So that pick that we traded to... New York got traded to Ottawa. Yes. Who then took Bernard Docker with that pick. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> Massimo Rizzo, not surprising for a seventh round pick, seems to. He's played 12 games. He played 12 games in the 21 22 season. That's this year um, for University of Denver, where he's, I don't know, got 16 points in 12 games. After not having played a single game last year, um, uh, there's some interesting. We're gonna have to look at that team uh, again in the near future. Which team is this? A University of Denver. Ah. But if you're the Boston Bruins and you're spending 
Matt Zuccarello money versus Rick Nash money. Mm-hmm. Maybe you keep Tory Krug another year or two instead of letting him wander away for nothing. Yeah, I think that was the toughest part about that whole ordeal was that, you know, not only did we we got nothing for him, but then we didn't really do anything to solve the And some would say, oh, but we got Riley now. And it's like, I don't mm. know that Riley is Tory Krug. Riley is no more Tory Krug than. No, just no. Just quick to be on, be fair with the comparisons. JT Miller, who is an inch shorter, but about mm, 30 pounds heavier than Pedersen, averages 21 and a half minutes a night, does take faceoffs. Like I said, 58% winning faceoffs. Um, unlike Pedersen, JT Miller has 46 hits in 18 games. Which is considerably more, yes. Well, considerably more than five, sure. Uh, He only has two more blocks, though, so it's not like either one of them is out there blocking shots and and putting their uh, life in danger. But the shooting percentage at slightly under 16, 15.9. I mean, it's – and he's $2 million cheaper. Now, yes, again, he is older than Patterson. I get it. I just think that the type of player that JT Miller is would fit better. And the fact that he's played in big markets and everything else would fit better in a Bruins uniform than Patterson. And I'm not saying that I wouldn't have Patterson. I like Elias Patterson. I would certainly consider bringing him in. I just think if I was given the choice between the two, JT, JT Miller is less expensive. He's not going to I think that he's going to fit in a lot easier a lot quicker with the current roster that the Bruins have that's the thing though you've got short term versus long term needs with the five-ish years age difference you've got time for a Elias Patterson Jack uh, or Beecher one-two punch up front to develop with uh, Patterson still being somewhere near the prime of his career with JT Miller. Eh, you're going to need two, three years in the league for someone just coming in out of college. Even if they do all four years in college to hit peak as a, as a center, in my opinion, for a 200 foot player. And at that point, how old is JT Miller? 31, 33. Yes, um, some three, players. In three years from now, he'll be 31 years old. Some players are still roughly in their peak at 31. Um, and you might have a two, three-year window with both of them somewhere in their peak. If Pedersen and Beecher are both in their in that window at the same time, you have a five- or six-year window, and that's that's different. That's... That allows you to make a mistake and recover from it if you, A, have the means, and B, actually know what the mistake is and how to fix it. Um, either way, I think I like both players. And, you know, looking at the forwards forward group for this team, uh, the Vancouver Canucks, 
I don't know that I can necessarily put all the blame on them because I think that the defense is lacking in whelm. Well, uh, I mean, I've heard on multiple various um, NHL broadcasts, uh, radio and TV, that you can't, and I think Kevin Weeks even come out and said this, but you can't blame what's going on with the Canucks on Travis Green. Travis Green is a really good coach, and it, none of this, none of that doesn't mean he's not going to take it in the neck. Uh, if exactly. That's things go. I, if things don't I mean, improve, I mean, I mean the fans are. The fans up there are walking out of the, and I, I, I apologize. Is it uh, Rogers I Arena right now? Name. I think it's Rogers Arena up there in British Columbia. Um, but they're walking out and they're chanting "Fire Jim Benning," uh, and there the fan base is unhappy with what's going on. Obviously, any fan base would be unhappy with a losing streak. Uh, the fact that they they struggled last year and it's bled into this year. Uh, so Aquilinas being patient, uh, eventually they're going to start chanting for get rid of the owner. I don't know how you get rid of the owner. <laughs> but at some point, if he's going to be patient and continue to be patient, I mean, you're right. He's been patient with all the other issues that they've had as well. So. Uh, I don't know where um, it goes from. I saw the tweet of the season so far uh, a couple the, of days ago. The tweet and of the season. Literally the tweet of the season, and it was only November. And I definitely implore all of our listeners, uh, if you think you see a better hockey tweet, uh, you are absolutely, absolutely to bring it to my attention. Um. Low Tide uh, tweets, it makes me sad to know Patrice Bergeron is in the final 25 seasons of his NHL career. <laughs> As it should. I mean, every, literally that everyone sadden, should be everybody. saddened by this. I agree. Uh, I thought it was going to be the other. No, that wasn't a tweet, though. That was actually because I read the same thing, but. I thought it was going to be the whole thing about, you know, Eichel going to Vegas and the whole line combination. Oh, that's 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 even better. I mean, the the Eichel saga, as we all know, came to a seeming or it, it came to a the end of a long, long, long chapter uh, in the deep, dark woods. Um, we know that he had his surgery. Uh, the surgeon pronounced it successful. Um, hopefully the surgeon is right. Um, and projects that Eichel will make a full recovery. Um, and that's absolutely a great thing to hear. Jack Eichel is a dynamic player. Um, looking at a Vegas Sun article by Justin Emerson, um, mm-hmm. one of the statements made made me sit up and take notice. And while I'm not sure I agree with the statement, I don't actually hate it. Um, Middle of the article, 
um, almost dead center, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, short paragraph. So where will he play in Vegas? Uh, Eichel. He'll immediately improve any line, and the thought of him centering Pacioretty and Stone has Vegas fans frothing at the mouth. Really frothing? Wow. Frothing. Uh, I, you know, in frothing the desert, the maybe their toes are being nibbled by, like, rabid coyotes. You or think they're just dehydrated? It, it could be dehydration. Okay. Or you know what? Um, there's supposedly fleas and um, rodents out there that still carry the Black Plague. I don't remember frothing at the mouth being being a symptom of the Black Plague, but who knows? We don't know what it looks like in a desert environment. Um, those three would pr- form the most talented line Vegas has ever raised and would give Colorado's Gabriel Landeskog, Nathan McKinnon, Mika Rantanen trio, and Boston's Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak combination, a run for their money as best in the league. Stop. I love, love when when fan bases and the media get behind their players. Like <laughs> tearing them down is easy. Like tearing play, I I can find fault with Patrice Bergeron, even though, as I've mentioned, I am president, vice president, chief enforcer, bouncer, and uh, chief ankle breaker breaker of the Patrice Bergeron fan club, and have been since you know he was drafted. I, I could still find fault with him if it weren't against the uh, fan club rules. Um, that's a statement. Like, oh. that's legitimately a statement. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure he's completely out of line. I know three people that would argue against that. Go for it. And those three people have been farther along in the playoffs than the current three that they're talking about. That would be <clears throat> Riley Smith, Jonathan Marshall, and William Carlson. The misfit line. The three players that have been there since the beginning. The three players that were the top line. The three players that made it to the Stanley Cup final. Yep. Uh, Eichel's been where in the playoffs? I, look, I don't disagree. Eichel's been where in the playoffs? Nowhere. I, Mark Stone has been, well, when he finally joined Vegas, he's been to the playoffs. Uh, Pacioretty, I don't think he went stanchion. that far. He's been to the stanchion, yes. Yeah. That was the, He was introduced very, very, very abruptly to the stanchion. That was, yeah, that was uh, an interesting time for him, I'm sure. But it, it's... I'm sorry, the the most talented line? Okay, Bergeron, Marchand, okay. Pasternak, two of the three have, oh wait, won a Stanley Cup. Um, they are referred to as the <clears throat> line, The I, I, I have difficulty saying this, the perfection line by like Too most people. NHL talking heads for a reason. Look, um, I... I- I love Brad Marchand. I love bo- I love his warts. I love his aggression. I love his occasional stupidity. I love the way that he crawls around in other people's heads and gets space rent-free. David Pasternak, when he remembers how to shoot, is one of the best pure shots in the entire league. 
um, and a great skater to go with it. Uh, oh, and but here's wait. the thing. You know what the you know what the trios that he mentioned have you know the Colorado trio and what I refer to as the Raptors line have done. Yes. That the Vegas trio that uh, he has put together hasn't. Mm-hmm. You know what they've done? They've played together. Yes. <laughs> they played together. How? So you're so telling no, me? No, no, no. For the first ten years, ten years that Sidney mm-hmm. Crosby was in the league. Yeah. What was the story? Every summer, literally every summer. Who's going to play with Crosby? Who's going to play with Crosby? We're going to need to get some wingers to play with Crosby. And they'd go out and get a winger or two wingers or 17 wingers. And they'd all cycle through with Crosby and they wouldn't stick. They'd end up playing on Malkin's line or they'd be traded by Christmas. I wonder if there's a reason for that. They end up playing on Malkin's line instead of Crosby's line. Because Malkin is better. But, um... (laughs) I think I've said that on more than one occasion, but <laughs> yeah, let's go. So we don't know how good any line is going to be or any defenseman combination is going to be until it works, until we see it together and it actually okay. works. OK, but that's not what it says here. What it says here is those three would form. Yes. Not have not have the potential. It says would form the most talented line Vegas is ever would give Colorado's Landis Gog, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen. Good luck with that one. Nathan McKinnon? Um, I mean, there's... I don't think so. There's a, I, I suppose if we're separating talent from performance, and uh, at, for the sake of the show's discussion, I'll cheerfully do so. Yes, on paper, that's a fantastic line. I think Jack Eichel is great, <clears throat> as much as Max, Max Pacioretty is not my favorite player in the NHL. He is certainly skilled, and Mark Stone is yes, underrated. Can, can any of them actually catch Nathan McKinnon? No. Can, can any of them catch Brad Marchand? Nathan McKinnon. <clears throat> no, no, no. Can any of the Vegas trio catch Brad Marchand? I no. don't think Patches can. I'm sure Stone can't. Jack Eichel? Maybe. 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 On a good day. Maybe. If Brad Marchand's at the end of his shift and... <laughs> And Eichel's at the beginning of his, maybe. Maybe. But can they catch Pasternak? Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, they can't catch McKinnon. Uh, I don't <laughs> know that they could catch Rantanen. Landis Gog's not the fastest guy in the world. but Landis Gog's not the fastest guy in the world, but is any of those three going to win a fight with Landis Gog? Are no, any of them going was, to he throw was actually, he was actually He was actually dumb enough to try and get in the face of Milan Lucic and live to tell the tale. So I have to give him a little <laughs> bit of a thumbs up there. Is any of them going to check harder than Gabriel Landeskog? No. Stone, maybe? Stone doesn't skate as well. I, I right. like Stone, but he doesn't skate as well, and skating yeah. is a good part of checking. It is. You have to get that momentum going. Is anyone going to win more face-offs on a regular basis than Patrice Bergeron? Uh uh-uh. uh. No. no. So, and, and now you're getting no. into my argument to add on to just to lump onto this lovely statement. I love, as I said, players. I love, I love getting, 
I love when the media and fans get behind players and teams. It's great. But go ahead. Um, no, I was just going to say how many and, and don't get me wrong. Mark, Mark Stone was nominated, but how many of them are the best play best two way player in hockey? Uh, um, None. Yes. OK. And how many of them are the second best two way player in hockey? Probably none. Because that, yes. that that that, that would point, be the that's other. probably outside Kopitar. <laughs> at this point in the season, yes. Um, but speaking of best player in league history, um, Patrice Bergeron is 15 faceoff wins away from 13,000 all time. He is number one on the playoff li- list already uh, on the list already of uh, faceoff wins. Um, Sidney Crosby is up there with him, but only four other guys have actually ever crossed 10,000. Um, he is well ahead of everyone closing in on him like a couple of seasons ahead and crossing 13,000, uh, that should probably happen in his next game. Um, but other records, um, Mr. Alex Ovechkin has crawled, climbed, charged, whichever, whichever descriptor you want to use all the way to quietly, very quietly, actually, to number two um, in power play goals scored in league history. He is actually only two behind uh, the current record holder. And my computer needs to be somewhat faster. So Alex Ovechkin has a Dave Andrichuk. He is at 272 goals, uh, two behind Dave Andrichuk all time on power play goals for the league. Something that no one has talked about. Um, That could happen anytime now, like literally two game, any one game. He can do that. Sure. And he is fourth all time in goals scored. Or not bad. Um, decidedly not terrible. Um, based on the based on my fuzzy math before the before we started the show, mm-hmm. he is 262 games behind Ovechkin's uh, to- career total, 150 and 150 goals back. Behind behind Reds. Yep. Okay. That's kind of phenomenal all by itself. But he's only twenty two goals away from catching uh Yaramir Yager, who who needed five hundred and sixteen no, five hundred and eighteen more games to score that many goals. Um I don't think Ovechkin is going to end up with more goals than Gretzky in less games, but he's certainly going to get it, it to all appearances. He's going to get there certainly under the 1600 game mark. I mean, 150 goals left is not even his three best seasons. And he's got plenty of time. 
to all appearances, Father Time has forgotten his address. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to happen once in a sport here. And I mean, we obviously got that 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 Brady guy who seems to be winning against Father Time. Um, now it would seem that Ovi is winning against Father Time as well. It's just amazing to see what he's capable of. Can he get? Can he catch? the The more he keeps playing, the more I'm going to say yes. I fully believe he will catch Wayne Gretzky. I mean, he's First Alex Ovechkin is just ridiculous. I mean, just ridiculous. Even if he, even if he is abducted by aliens tomorrow and we never see or hear from him again. He is the greatest <laughs> pure goal scorer in league history. Period. First he's playing in the against to reach ten goals. Um, he's at twenty nine points in eighteen games right now. That's a few. That's a few. Fourteen goals. But. I, <sighs> but he was first in the league to reach. Ten, he was the first player in the league to get ten to to get to double digits. At thirty six years old. Yes, on a team that's good. Overall, I can't call that team great. I'm not calling them a contender. But assuming he scores 26 more goals this season, which I think is a very low number. I was going to say, is that really that big of an assumption? (laughs) But uh, 26 more goals, that would bring him to – that would bring him to 30 goals on the season – that would leave him 124 goals over four seasons that he is under contract um, in order to make pace. If he That's a significant drop-off from his career pace mm-hmm. in goals. Like, that's down to well below the numbers everyone was calculating three or four years ago um, in order for him to in order for him to get there. That's only 31 goals a season if he just scores 26 more goals and hits 40. If he hits 55 or 60 goals this season, that never drops into the mid-20s. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but Alex Ovechkin, based on what we know right now, today, can probably go on scoring 20-plus goals a season for the next 12 years, much less the next four. This record is hit. This record is his, as long as he's alive and able to play hockey. I would agree. It's. And, and Washington is not as. Mets and Mets as you might think. Looking at their numbers, they have three players who have zero goals. Everybody else has at least one. And. That's only two players that have one, and there's a bunch that have two. Obviously, Obi leading the team was 14. <laughs> uh, goaltending, two younger, two younger guys, Vanacek and Samsonov, 2.39 and a 2.11 goals against, in, in respectively, 9.11 and 9.24 save percentages, respectively. Um. Samsonov has Samsonov has yet to lose in regulation. He's six o o and one. Uh, they're not 
as middle Mets and Mets or whatever, you know, they 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 seem to be a decent team here. <laughs> when you're scoring that many goals, it it certainly helps. But oh, by yeah. comparison, um, Carolina has allowed seven less goals than they have, um, and has a better goal differential. Um, I'm not saying they're going to win Stanley Cup. I'm just saying that I I think they're more likely to they're going to make the playoffs. It's not going to be a question of if. Oh, that that is I think a given. Um, as far as yeah, as far as understanding, Carolina is one goal better than them in goal differential. Uh, as is the Florida Panthers, who at present sit atop the league. I know. Carolina sits at number two. And I thought that, and and thinking that that losing Joel Quenville was going to have some sort of adverse effect on the Panthers. Nope. Yeah, no, I, that a little bit surprises me. But I look, thought there'd be a little drop off. Nope. You think so? But look at their home record. It's obscene well yeah 10 0 and 0 is kind of obscene they're terrible <laughs> they're, te- they're they're almost they're almost terrible away from home they're, they're league average three. i mean they're literally three two and three on the road but that's still um to be 10, that's still oh, eight no. out of a potential 12 points on the road and carolina's points per uh win or like points percentage is actually better they're at eight point eight seven five points per game. How many other teams have zero losses at home? Um, three, maybe. None. None. They're the only team that has zero losses at home. And you know, I talked about we talked about our picks this year, <laughs> earlier this year. Yeah, we did. People told me I was nuts for being so high out of Florida and Carolina. I don't know that I was as high on them. I'm sure I picked them because I think we had in the we metro. I think in the we metro had we had wicked overlap. Yes. But like other people, when I told them that the Florida Panthers and Carolina Hurricanes might be the best, or probably the best teams in the Eastern Conference, and arguably the best teams in the league, they told me they looked at me like I was completely insane. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Not metro in the Atlantic. And, you know, you look at we've talked about the standings up and down. Uh, okay, let's write these down. Actually, I pulled out the list and to my dismay, I did not pick Florida in my top three. Shame. I picked Tampa Shame. Bay, Boston and Shame. Toronto. Shame. You picked Tampa Bay, Boston and Florida. By the way, Florida and Toronto are both in the top three. No. And yes, in the Atlantic. The one, one I'm wrong about is actually you know, both of us are wrong about is Boston. I'm, I'm. So yes, you got Florida right so far. There you go. At, at beginning of the season, I'm reading the picks right here. Okay, so it is November 21st. It is just about noon. Let's look at the standings and make one prediction from. Now until the end of the season, <laughs> which team currently holding a playoff or um, 
a playoff, a top three or a wild card spot in the East is most likely to fall out of uh, out of the playoffs. Hmm. I think you and I might agree on this one. I think I know who you're going to say. Go ahead. They've got. They're they're just too even. It's it's a difficult choice. Hmm. I suppose I could be the Maverick and say the other team, but I don't. Go think ahead. They, I'm going to say Philadelphia. You're just saying that because you don't like Elaine Vigneau. <laughs> I mean, I, tr- I tried to do it with a straight face. I did. See, I'm going to go way out on a limb. Well, it depends if you're going to say Toronto. And uh, I'm going to go way out on that limb. Okay. And I am going to say Toronto. As much as I love Jack Campbell, a 944 save percentage in 16 out of the 18 games or 18 games. Wait, is it not sustainable? I (laughs) dude gets mad respect, but dudes dudes played in 50 dudes started 15 out of 18 games. Um, I mean, I don't. Yeah. Well, it says here, game started 15, Wall has started one, that's 16, Morozik has started two, that's 18. So did who started the other? Start a game? I, did, I, we'll have to go back and it look. It says Campbell it. played in 16 games, so clearly he came in. in oh, relief. wait a minute, yeah. where's Hutchinson? Hutchinson started a game. You're right. I that's think, right. I think Hutchinson started a game. Because I'm looking been, at the stats, and Nylander and... Mitch yeah, Marker, played in 19, uh, games. 19 games. So is Kerfoot. Yeah, I think it was Hutchinson got a start. Uh, 944 save percentage, 1.66 goals against. And you look at the other two, and I feel bad for Joseph Wall, former BC goaltender, um, that you have to play behind that defense. But, yeah, Jack Campbell, he's actually – I don't think Cam Ward was going was abused at that percentage. 15 out of 19? Yep. I don't think Cam Ward and Cam Ward was I think close to 70 starts in a season. Yeah. And not <laughs> at that pace. I mean, he didn't start the first 20 games of the season ever. That's uh, I don't know that the, I don't know that 944 and 166 is sustainable. Nope. There's uh, got to be a regression to the mean at some point. And even and even with a regression to the mean, even if he only drops to a 930 and like a 2.32, those are still great numbers. But I can see I, I mean, I can see them dropping. Yes, I, I was I was going percentages because I think that I there are at least two or three teams who I think can maintain a better balance over the season than Toronto like Toronto almost has to trade for defense at some point this year. And when that trade happens or given the number of players who are on that team who are likely to be gone for both the Olympic and all-star breaks, that's just extra wear and tear 
I mean, there's almost zero chance that their top four forwards are not all on the Olympic teams. There's almost no chance that Jack Campbell is not on the Olympic and all-star teams. That's, that's a lot of extra wear and tear. Same question in the West. Same question in the West. By the way, while I'm looking at the West, because I don't know who's in and who's out, um, at 19 games into the season, would you have guessed that Andre Kasha has played in all 19 games and Owait has four goals and six points? I'm assuming he's been replaced by a pod person. Uh, Clearly. Clearly, because I think he play, I don't think he played four games for the Bruins. I mean, West that's just is so much harder. The West is squishy. I mean, no, the the, the, the is squishy. The obvious low hanging fruit is Nashville. Mm, see, no, I thought the obvious low hanging fruit was St. Louis. St. Louis. Because um, that's who I was going to pick, actually. I, they've got the they've got a fair. I mean, they've got a respectable win percentage or points percentage. They've got a respectable number of goals. Um, but here's the thing. I can't look at Matt Duchesne and say. Yes, he's a 19 points in 17 games player at age 30 something. He's well, age 30 now. Um, he'll be 31 in January in what seven, eight weeks. Yeah. Um, so are you saying Nashville? I'm not not saying Nashville. Uh, that's not not making a pick though. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I mean, on the on the flip side of that. That notice about Matt Duchesne, Philip Forsberg is seven points in nine games, but again, he's only played nine games. Yeah, he was, he was uh, if and when he comes back, if and when he comes back, and what level is going to make a big difference? Um, I'm still confused about Anaheim. Anaheim is just yeah, Anaheim is baffling, and I, they're. And Calgary, based on what they did last year, which was flame out hard, um, it, it's kind of hard to say, yeah, that, that team's definitely holding on to number two in their division. <laughs> um, because everybody on that roster was talked about being traded. I mean, literally, Goudreau was going to be gone. Lindholm was going to be gone. Okay, Kachuk. nobody mentioned nobody mentioned Mangiapane. Kachuk, yep, he was going to be in Ottawa with his with his brother. Um, boring no. Sean was going to be gone. Um, no. You know, it, it goes right up and down the lineup. They and lost this is, Giordano. They lost Giordano. Noah Hannafin um, is another guy who people have talked about him not fitting in. Um, and you've got, uh, ooh, wow. Yeah, we're we're coming back to the question of unsustainable goaltending. Jacob Markstrom, who is a guy who has been <laughs> that government mule. Yeah. Fourteen games played, fourteen games started, seven, three, and oh. 
Go ahead, read my one point one save one point seven one goals against and a nine forty two save percentage with five shutouts in those fourteen games and five wins in and and uh and seven wins. Read read the other guy because the other guy, I'm a still, guy I'm Boston still, should not have given up on. But thank you, I'm still upset about that. this. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, read it, read it, read it, read it. Four games. Mm-hmm. Started uh, one no decision, three wins. Mm-hmm. Or actually, I'm sorry, it's three wins and an overtime loss. So they got uh, six out, or seven out of potential eight points, but. 196 save percentage or 196 goals against average and a 933 save percentage for some guy named Dan Vladar. Um, are either of those numbers better than the two goalies in Boston right now? Yes, yes, they are. Thank you. In fact, both of them are. Uh huh. For both goaltenders. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And this team has an interesting collection of former Boston Bruins. You've got mm-hmm. Lucic still in town. You've got um, Brett Ritchie in town as well. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Dan. Of course. Um, so the Flames might have to be my choice. I think the Flames are my choice. You don't think the numbers are sustainable for the goaltenders? And who's your choice? Uh, as I said... Um, I honestly believe that, and, and and they are kind of low-hanging fruit on this one. I, I would agree, uh, but I think that it's going to be St. Louis. I don't see, first of all, you got James Neal on the team, and that's <laughs> never good. Um, as much as I love Tory Krug, and I feel bad for the guy, but... I, Peron has never played well anywhere except with St. Louis. So I, I, I don't know. I just, the goaltending is now Huso has played in two games. You want to talk about unsustainable numbers. Here's some unsustainable numbers for you. Billy Huso has played in two games. He's won both of them. <clears throat> he has a goals against average of 0.5. Oh, of course. A, and he has a 9.84 save percentage. That's perfectly normal. Sustainable. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't see it happening. I love Ryan O'Reilly. I love, uh, I love a few of their players. Uh, I, I didn't want to see Tory Krug leave. I thought that, although this year he's definitely playing more like he did as a Bruin than last season. Absolutely. Uh, 10 points in 12 games, three goals, seven assists quarterbacking the power play because oh wait he has one power play goal and five power play points uh, yeah I think it's St. Louis I just okay. it, it got feeling I guess more than anything else well that is the show um have a happy American Thanksgiving um I hope well, everyone right. Thanksgiving week and uh, Black Friday for those of you who will be getting up at unseemly hours to go out and uh, shop do, till you drop. Do they still do that? I thought they, they changed. They still do that. And we will, of course, be recording just before next Cyber Monday. Um, so, ladies, gentlemen, undeclared, undecided, hockey fans of all ages, 
have a great week. We will be back next week. And thank you for listening. Share the show with friends, family, random coworkers, um, and people you meet on the street. Take care.